0: Three years ago, in 2018, AT&T wrapped up a blockbuster acquisition. It bought the media and entertainment giant Time Warner for $81 billion. The deal transformed AT&T from a company that mainly sold cell phone, internet, and satellite TV service into a massive media conglomerate with channels like CNN and HBO, as well as the Warner Brothers movie studio, all under one roof. AT&T would now own not just the infrastructure to deliver content, but also the content itself. Here's our colleague Marcelo Prance, who edits corporate coverage.
1: And it's been a a goal of many companies, not just AT&T, but that you could marry media and technology, right? You could own the content, the shows, the programming, and the way to distribute them, whether it was wireless or broadband. That somehow putting those two pieces together made a more perfect union, and that you could somehow make more money on both of them. That was the dream here. But just three years later,
0: AT&T is walking away from that dream. It announced yesterday that it's unwinding this massive merger and spinning off its media operations.
1: It's kind of shocking how quickly they reverse course. To me, it was one of the quickest reversals of a corporate strategy that you've seen. They were pushing into entertainment, pushing into entertainment. They didn't want to just be a phone company. And now they are essentially saying, we want to go back to just being a phone company again.
0: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, May 18th. Coming up on the show, why AT&T abandoned its plan to build a media and telecommunications empire. This episode is brought to you by Volvo Cars. Distractions happen, but there are things that can help you stay focused. Like the fully electric seven-seater Volvo EX90. It was made to help keep you and those around you on the road safe, with LiDAR technology that can see what you sometimes can't, and a two-camera driver understanding system designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. AT&T started moving into the media business in 2014. And one of the reasons they wanted to do that is because its main business, its cell phone business, was starting to slow down.
1: At that point, the market for cell phones was pretty saturated in the U.S., right? The iPhone had already come out. Most Americans had one or two phones by that point. So it wasn't a growth story they could sell to Wall Street. And they were looking for where there was growth. One place there was growth
0: and that was getting a lot of attention from Wall Street was media and entertainment,
1: a lot of these content companies like Netflix or Facebook were growing rapidly and being rewarded by investors. And a lot of the money those companies were making was on top of the networks that AT&T owned. And AT&T, they were being treated like a utility and these other companies were being treated like fast-growing companies. So they wanted to own both parts of that pie. They wanted to own both the network that delivered you the shows or the information you wanted, and the content that was being created. So to become a company that owned both parts
0: of the pie, AT&T hatched a plan. It would build its own media empire through acquisitions. The first company AT&T bought was DirecTV, the satellite TV service, in 2015.
1: So they started out buying DirecTV, which was a satellite TV service, to pair with their wireless service, which was nationwide. And the home phone services they had. AT&T paid
0: $49 billion for DirecTV. But that was just the first step. In 2016, the company unveiled its biggest move, that mega merger with Time Warner. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that AT&T has reached an agreement in principle to buy Time Warner. AT&T, the nation's second largest cell phone carrier, will gain control of TV networks like HBO, TNT, and CNN, and the Time Warner movie studio. This is AT&T's second major buy in less than two years, as they aim to become a media powerhouse. and
1: compete. With- the idea with Time Warner was, More people are watching videos on their phones. The world's going to switch from watching television at home to watching television on the go. And so they wanted to have the content that they could distribute on mobile video, is what they were calling it.
0: How important was Time Warner specifically to AT&T's media strategy? I think it was central
1: because they were looking to add a movie studio, these cable networks that they thought could help direct TV as well. Owning CNN and TNT and these networks would help them shore up DirecTV, which at this point was losing customers.
0: To make this giant acquisition, AT&T had to take on billions in debt and pile it on top of the debt they'd already taken on to buy DirecTV.
1: By the time they closed the Time Warner deal, AT&T was the most indebted non-banking company in the U.S. Over $180 billion of debt on their balance sheet.
0: But it wasn't just AT&T and Time Warner that had to agree to the deal. They needed the blessing of the U.S. government. And that's where they ran into their first problem. One person in particular was not a fan. Donald Trump.
1: The weekend the deal was announced, uh, the then-candidate for President Trump basically said he wasn't going to allow this transaction to happen. He was not a fan of CNN. AT&T is buying Time Warner and thus CNN. A deal we will not approve in my administration because it's too much concentration of power in the hands of too few.
0: Once Trump got elected and took office, his administration sued to block the deal, arguing that AT&T's rivals would be at an unfair disadvantage. But AT&T was not about to let this deal, for the crown jewel of their content strategy,
1: slip away. I mean, they dug in their heels and they they went to court. They actually fought the government, which is not common. Oftentimes, companies will abandon deals when the government threatens to block them. And they ended up going into a trial where the executives for both sides testified. Rarely do you see a transaction of this size actually go to court. And on top of that, the companies prevailed. The judge sided with them, saying that the government really didn't prove there was an antitrust problem. AT&T
0: ultimately won the lawsuit, and in 2018, the deal with Time Warner went through. But the
1: legal battle came at a price. It ended up being a pyrrhic victory because it took 20 months between when they announced the deal and when they were able to finally close it. And in those 20 months, AT&T was prohibited from working with Time Warner or coordinating on strategy. And so it really, they were both kind of frozen in time. Meanwhile, Netflix... Disney and all these other companies were marching ahead with their own streaming services. Coming up, why catching up to the competition
0: would be a lot harder than AT and T anticipated. This episode is brought to you by ServiceNow. Everyone's talking about AI everyone. But where do you start? How can it actually help your business? The ServiceNow platform brings intelligence into every corner of your company. So every person, every system, every process, everything works better. Put AI to work. Tap the banner or go to servicenow.com/genai to see how. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. But what
1: policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and portfolio. Listen at schwab.com
0: slash Washington Wise. by 2018, AT&T was in control of a wireless cell phone business, a satellite TV business, and now, thanks to Time Warner, a movie studio, a bunch of cable channels, and HBO. And their primary goal was to take all those assets and use it to launch a streaming service that could compete with companies like Netflix and Disney. But it would be a rocky road to get there.
1: The problem for AT&T is they were getting into a market they didn't have experience running. And after they bought Time Warner, many of those executives ended up leaving or being pushed out. And so they brought in new stable of people to run what they ended up calling Warner Media, but they lost some of the veterans at HBO and Warner Brothers and the properties they bought. And so this turmoil or this change at the top kind of also delayed how quickly they could kind of take advantage of the media assets they bought.
0: On top of that, AT&T struggled to settle on a strategy for its products. Initially, the company had talked about launching three different tiers of services at three different prices.
1: They ended up scrapping that plan and coming out just with the one HBO Max service, which cost $15, which was relatively expensive compared to some of the other entrants. In fact, right before AT&T introduced HBO Max, Disney came out and cut the price of Disney+. Plus and had a head start on them. So it did complicate their entry into the market. The upshot of these many
0: challenges was that HBO Max launched late. It didn't come out until 2020, and it struggled to add customers quickly. At the same time that AT&T was having trouble getting its streaming business off the ground, the company was facing rising costs across all its businesses. On the cell phone side of the business, competitors were making life tougher.
1: That side of the business was facing competition from T-Mobile, which was aggressively pricing its service and stealing customers from both AT&T and Verizon. And Verizon, which had avoided these big media deals, was basically focused on rolling out a 5G network, which is a new, higher-speed network. And so was T-Mobile.
0: So, to keep pace with Verizon and T-Mobile, AT&T had to spend billions of dollars on building a 5G network of its own. And running those media businesses was becoming pricier, too.
1: The reality is the cost of producing content and the competition for content just escalated so quickly that it was becoming very expensive for AT&T. The streaming war is a global war, right? It's not something that's just playing out in the U.S. So you need content for all these markets. You need to launch these services in India, in Europe, in Asia and other countries and so the cost of doing all that is compounded. They're now fighting a battle with Disney and Netflix in a world where they have to compete around the globe. So they saw that the cost of content was only going to increase as the years went on. Another big cost to at and was all
0: that debt it accumulated from those big acquisitions. at and was having to spend lots of money each year making interest payments. With costs climbing and its streaming service lagging, AT&T started to look for a way out. In February, it decided to jettison DirecTV, which had been hemorrhaging customers pretty much ever since AT&T bought it. It sold off a big chunk of it for a fraction of what it originally paid.
1: They agreed to sell about a third of DirecTV to a private equity firm. But the deal allowed them to unload some of the debt that they had taken on. And it was really the first public admission that they were no longer going to try and build... This sort of media conglomerate.
0: Then on Monday, AT&T made the big announcement. It was spinning off Warner Media. The deal will combine Warner Media with Discovery to create a new standalone company. Discovery brings the Discovery Channel, as well as HGTV, the Food Network, and a bunch of reality TV shows like 90 Day Fiance and Say Yes to the Dress. AT&T is getting more than 41 billion dollars in cash while also shedding debt. AT&T shareholders will also get a 71% stake in the new media company. Once the deal goes through, AT&T will essentially be back to just being a phone company.
1: Of course, the decision this month to sell Time Warner was surprising to many because that completed the reversal. AT&T shareholders will still own 70%, but Discovery's CEO is going to run this company.
0: And what do we know about how this particular deal came together with Discovery?
1: Well, I, they started talking just a few months ago. David Zaslav, the CEO of Discovery, sort of initiated the conversation. He says he sent some emojis to the CEO of at and John Stanky, when he was watching a golf tournament at at
0: Emojis? Yeah, emojis. <laughs> like a heart and like a kiss face and a money sign or something? <laughs> it must have
1: been a lot of money signs. <laughs> um and that got them talking, and then they had a series of meetings, both in New York and elsewhere, where they kind of talked about the outlines of this deal. But this is a major
0: change in strategy. What has AT&T said about this decision?
1: You know, John Stanky says it was a tough call for him. He personally was saddened by having to do it, he says, because he realized that the vision they had laid out wasn't going to go the way they hoped, and the market kind of changed on them. And he wasn't going to get to work with these media people that he had just gotten to know, essentially. And as he told us, it was partly motivated by the fact that investors were not happy. They weren't rewarding the company for the pieces they had bought. And he was trying to figure out a way to change that impression. So he kind of had to make this cold calculation that they were better off parting with this media business, paying off a lot of debt, kind of going back to being a more of a phone company um, that Wall Street could understand.
0: Well, what does that mean for AT&T's future? I mean, there was a real problem that they were trying to solve six or seven years ago when they started making all these bets on media. But now they're just going to go back to that version of what they were before?
1: Yeah, it's a good question because, I mean, they're going to look like they did back then. They're going to be back looking more like a utility, right? Like a company with pretty predictable revenue, but they're not going to be growing leaps and bounds year over year anymore. And maybe it's not as sexy or as exciting as owning Hollywood Studios and HBO, but it's maybe a company that can be more profitable in its core business if it doesn't have to also worry about all these other pieces.
0: Do you think that we've reached the end of the road when it comes to telecom companies trying to buy media companies?
1: I mean, it's sort of the, it's the timeless question because uh, every time you think that's the case, there's like a new iteration of it that comes along. And even John Stankey, who you would think would have understood this lesson better than anyone else, wouldn't rule it out. When he was talking to us, he said, look how much the world changed. You know, in the last few years, it could change again. And who knows where all these pieces shake out.
0: That's all for today, Tuesday, May 18th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Drew Fitzgerald, Joe Flint, and Ben Mullen for their reporting on this story. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.